Happy Thursday, Facebook. And this is going to be a little bit of a different discussion today. We've got a great group of professionals that are going to talk about communication. So I want you to begin thinking about what would you do after you move a loved one in and how do you want to get communication between your family and the community? So stick with us while we dive into the importance of communication. With that, we are back, and I'm going to turn it over <laughs> to the ever-famous and talented famous. Catherine Wells. Famous, famous, famous. I yes. keep saying it, it's going to happen, right? you got to think it to believe it, right? Exactly. That's right. I totally agree, but I have to say, I have to let our audience know that we have a brand new little tiny maverick. We do. Real new to the world, Mr. Brooks Legacy. That is right. Brand yeah. new, just a couple days old now, right? Born October twenty, October seventeenth at seven forty-three yeah. in the morning. So, yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah. Congratulations thank to you, you and Sarah. Um, I appreciate this, it. Yeah. This is number three. Number three. My wife is a rock star, and uh, <laughs> as I will continue to say, all women are tougher than men. I have no problem admitting that because what my wife has done for our three kids is nothing but incredible. So um, uh, kudos to my wife and all those, all the women out there. Well, we'll take that. <laughs> and I love how you, you talk about Sarah as a total rock star when you talk about her in the, mm -hmm. uh, almost at any yeah. time, but yeah. specifically when it comes to this. And um, so talking about babies, we kind of birthed a, a little, a little baby of communication uh, collaboration circle ourselves. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. And we will be bringing on, uh, I think we have five, four Correct. or five yep. guests five. with us today. Yep. And we will be talking about the process that we went through to create this little booklet that is the um, uh, first 14 day communication roadmap in senior care when somebody moves in. And we'll be talking about why we did that and how we did it and what we think the results are gonna be and what we're already seeing. So, Absolutely, yeah. It's yeah. a great discussion. We've got awesome awesome people for the panel today. They're gonna to bring a lot of expertise and insight. And I think it's really, we're on that cusp of really pushing the importance of thinking about things differently, especially how to communicate on those first 14 days, which as we've talked about, Catherine, super critical to build yeah. that trust. Yeah, and what we did was different. We did not um, sit in a room and stay inside our own box and create this. We sat down with people across senior care and you're gonna hear from them today mm -hmm. uh, and really talked about what their perspectives were and their experiences. And you know, some of us were able to wear multiple hats because some of us are the family members mm -hmm. of loved ones. Um, but we also have a role in senior care and others are specialized in senior care. So it was, right, it was right. great conversations. Fantastic. So do you want to bring on our guests? Let's bring on our first one. Let's bring on Dr. Mary McCall. All right. Hi, Mary. Thanks for Hi. joining us today. Yeah. Uh, here. Yeah. So could you uh, tell people as we bring each of you on, we will ask you to uh, share who you are, what your background is, and what drew you to this concept of the collaboration circle. Okay. So I am a research gerontologist. I have a PhD in human development and aging, 
and spent my career teaching undergraduate as well as graduate students um, in aging and aging social policy. And I also studied aging social policies in different countries, which I was drawn to when doing volunteer work um, with low income seniors when I started working on my PhD and realized that we need to have different models than what we've been doing in the United States. And so I've studied in Japan and Sweden and worked with a group of international researchers from about eight to 10 different countries. And I think that really helped me kind of break out of my own uh, mindset and experience in the United States about what senior care could look like. And as you said, Catherine, I'm also a family member to care of both my parents um, as they aged and as they um, passed on. So I have personal and professional experience in this area. And I love collaborating with different people because I think the more perspectives, the richer, the deeper, the more meaningful kinds of solutions we can come up with. That's fantastic. That's great. And I love that you have the perspective of uh, Japan and other countries as, as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important that again, like you said, think outside of what we do in the US. And I think that's so critical. Right. Nothing more than this kind of COVID era pandemic has started to highlight that. So I, I love that um, with that knowledge you bring. So thank you. Mm -hmm. And I, with that, I want to bring in Dr. Carrie Mitchell, who really I'd say was the lead or that mentor of our our collaboration circle. And so we really yeah. appreciate you know the facilitator facilitator. Couldn't think of the word <laughs> of the group. So uh, Dr. Mitchell, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So Carrie, tell us a little bit about your background and what drew you to the idea. Yeah, absolutely. So I've spent um, most of my career involved in things with communication. So I've been more on the organizational side, um, got my master's degree and my undergrad in communication, and then my PhD was organizational behavior. Um, so even though I studied or the other organizations, when I had friends and family dealing with um, senior living and some of these things, I started realizing how organizationally they were missing some things. So even though it's a little different type of organization, my, that really piqued my interest on what can we do to make this better? Because um, it's such a difficult time for so many people. And even some of the nurses I know don't know what is happening on the other side. And so this was just a great way, I think, to help bring those sides together and collaborate. So I was really excited to um, see how this is gonna make a difference for so many people. That's great. And um, for our audience, Carrie and I know each other because I got my master's in communication and psychology and she was my professor through most of my classes. Very cool. And then we became good friends. But a lot of that is as we became friends, too, and I was launching what I do with my business, Serenity Engage. Um, we would talk about the communication aspect and Carrie had some really great ideas and insights and some of that from the organizational communication work that you do and organizational development, Carrie, that you could bring to the table and, and really liven, enliven the discussion around what we did here. So really appreciate it. All right, Francis. Who All right, the next to? great person we're bringing on is gonna be Morgan Jenkins. Morgan, thanks for joining us. Morgan brings a lot of knowledge and expertise into those unique transitions that are some of our older adults face. Hi, Morgan, thanks Hi. for joining. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. 
I uh, also have a master's in psychology, and I think that is part of what <laughs> um, binds all of us together in, in some way, shape, or form, is that uh, driven desire to know what people need in their lives to, to have a rich and a full life. And I was drawn personally to the sort of senior care arena, if you will, um, for lack of a better word, older adults and caring for older adults. My grandmother lived with us as a child and she had dementia. And I was watching my mom be a mom and a caregiver and she was an adult student. And um, the word rock star also comes to mind. Yes. And it was a personal experience and it made me desire to want to do that for my parents as I got older. And then as time goes on, it just, I see in working with families as a uh, transition coordinator or placement agent and a case manager that there's so many struggles. And if someone decides for themselves or their loved one to move into a community, it's a really big decision. And there is a lot of emotion that goes into that and a lot of preparation and then to land on the doorstep of that community and feel like the communication is poor, sours the entire experience and people doubt themselves and their judgment and the decisions that they made. And so I got involved with this project because I think that communities are doing what they can, but there was there's sometimes a missed opportunity. And I don't think it's for a lack of effort. I think it was for a lack of of knowledge and understanding how that family member was feeling. So I was excited to get into the project because it's near and dear to my heart. Um, it's a big part of my career in working with Maintain Me as the transition director. So this has been awesome collaboration, just hearing from family members and providers and um, the Mavericks and just seeing how we can undo what has been done and build it back up and even stronger. I really appreciate um, everything that you said. And in particular, there was a comment about the, the idea that our care teams who are doing this are inside the assisted livings or memory cares or skilled nursings are doing everything they can. It's not through lack of trying, it's lack of expectation setting and understanding what the families really need and how maybe to do it. So maybe not even having the right tools to do it. And by tools, I, I mean like our little, you know, roadmap, as well as technology tools. But the roadmap is the important part. So great! Thanks for joining us today, Morgan. Happy to be here. And we, our next guest is Britannia Pullins from Heartland Pharmacy, who brings a lot of spirit, ideas, creativity, and has a genuine care for our older adults. So, Britannia, thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for allowing me to be an amazing group. Um, I need to first off say I do not have a master's in psychology. <laughs> um, but I, I've thought about getting one. So um, it's very interesting that we all have that in common. Um, I do have a bachelor's in science in strategic communication. Uh, I, I switched gears when I was going um, to a school for my prerequisites in pharmacy. Uh, but then I decided it was more important to study communication over pharmaceuticals. 
but I have been in the pharmacy industry for 18 years. So I've kind of married um, those two expertise. And that's what I love so much about being a part of this group is it's not just one expert. It's not just one point of view. All of us come from such a wide variety of um, experiences and each of our inputs are so unique. And there's so much value in us coming together and being the village, right? You know, it takes a village to, to raise a human. Well, I think it takes a village to help someone transition into the next stage of their life. And I'm just honored to be a part of that village. So thank you. Thanks. That's so great. Yeah. And see, there's communication and or psychology all the way through, except Mr. Francis over there who has a degree in physics. So yeah. somehow that plays into this. <laughs> I'm the odd duck here. I get it. I get it. <laughs> well, we'll see what our next guest yes, has. Yes, that's true. <laughs> and I'm going to bring on Taylor Hewlett, who not only works in senior care, but he also is an astounding author, photographer, who really was able to capture some beautiful moments of people living with Alzheimer's and dementia, which really says a lot about who he is as a person and the idea of the honor and respect that we can have for older adults. So, Taylor, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I, I super appreciate it. my background. I do not also have a, I don't have a master's degree in psychology, <laughs> but my background is in education and I have two years experience in the senior care industry with communications, innovations and development. And something that really, really excites me about this group is working with the intergenerational opportunities um, and integrating that with technology to better our communication and better our senior care. I always say we all have to get old and so it should be better for all of us. I like that, that Love works, that it. is great. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. So um, we accomplished a lot in a very short period of time. Uh, I would say it was probably less than 60 days, mm -hmm. right? And that was impressive. Um, so the way that we did that for our audience and those of you listening, if you have questions, please pop on, tell us where you're listening from. Um, the way that we did that was similar to this. We did Zoom calls every week uh, and we, or maybe it was every other week. It's been, it, COVID has been, I heard somebody say 2020 just hit the five-year mark. <laughs> it feels like forever, right? So when we started out, we talked about all the communication issues in senior care. And then we kind of narrowed it down and said, okay, here's kind of the big ones. Which one should we focus on? Um, okay, 80% of lawsuits are related to the first 14 days. That's where most of the mm -hmm. communication fails due to missed expectations or uh, poor communication. So we took that one on and that's the process for those of you listening. That's our process is to bite size it, take a chunk of something we can take action on as a group and then go to work on it. And that's what we did. So tell us um, what is it about those first 14 days that is so, so critical? We've hit on the highlights, but let's get into some of the details. And any one of you can pipe up. Well, mine is trust. I think it comes down to trust. I mean, you're, as Morgan said when in her intro, you know, this is a big change for everybody. And you only maybe have done a tour and talked to the facility, may, you know, represent as maybe an hour, 90 minutes, two hours. 
and you need to somehow establish that they're going to do the best for your best friend, for your loved one. I mean, that is a lot of need for responsibility, but also communication because they're trusting you as a, as an organization to take care of the person they cherish most. I think along with that trust is that fear piece. So Morgan was mentioning a lot about all those emotions and family are feeling sorrow and sadness and guilt and fear of what's gonna to happen to their family member and are they doing the right thing and what's gonna to happen to them. Um, so when you're talking about that trust piece is really important because those first few days are when you're, oh, did I do the right thing? Should I have done this? What's happening to, to my loved one at this moment? So it's really important I think in those first few days to get it right. Well, it's not just that, but also the, the amount of people that need to come together to help one person. I mean, there, there are so many nuances. There's so many little things and all of them are important. And so having a plan, having a, a tool that helps you keep track of those, um, to me, that's a no brainer. I agree with Britannia. I think there's so many different staff people who's bringing food to my mother. Do they know how to communicate with her about her likes and dislikes? Um, or is someone getting her and bringing her down to the dining room if she needs to be gotten? Um, who's going to respond if she pushes her button? I mean, all those kinds of things. Of who are, who is really doing this work now that my my loved one is there? I've really seen the importance of the communication during COVID as well. I mean, to share a little story, the families that cannot go into the homes right now to visit don't even know what the room looks like that they just moved their loved one into. Mm -hmm. Having a way to just quickly communicate during those first 14 days to build that trust, to solidify that team more and more, it's super important. Yeah, I would say also, especially with those that are struggling with dementia or Alzheimer's, I had a, a heart-wrenching experience talking to a son who said, um, I, I depend on the staff so much because though my father has a phone, when I call him, he doesn't know who I am. Mm -hmm. And it's, ah, oh, you know, you don't think yeah. about it unless you're there living it, experiencing it. Yeah, we had a, a saying, um, sort of internal to serenity, you don't really get it until you get it. And, it, and we hope you never have to, <laughs> for those of you listening. Um, and at the same time, when you have lived that, and Mary, I'll go back to something you said about like, who's feeding our loved one? And do they know their preferences? Yes, as a family, we fill out all of the you know, pre-paperwork, but does everybody have access to it, easy access to it? Do they know it? And I actually witnessed a family member uh, removing their mother after seven days in a community because they weren't feeding her with the right utensils that she had brought in. And she she happened to be Japanese. And so she wanted to eat with her chopsticks. She wanted a mm -hmm. certain bowl and they weren't feeding her with that. And so they, she just took her mom out. And that's just a, a miscommunication. That's all that is. That could have been solved. Yeah, Morgan, um, when you transition people into or help people find uh, their their next home, what does that look like for you when you're thinking about how they want to be communicated with? Well, personally, I work with every client as if they were my own family member. That's the lens that I use when I'm looking. And it, it may sound cliche, but that's the only way I know where to come from. 
So when I am talking with them, I try to be as honest as possible to set the expectations that there are going to be rough patches. This is not going to be perfect. And, you know, here are the things that you can look out for. Here are the ways that you can improve communication. And having this tool is a very concrete uh, way for them to know what day one is, day two is, day three is, and for the everybody to be on the same page. So something like this for family members is huge. But really the, the number one thing that I try to do for my clients is set expectations so that something very small in the beginning they feel comfortable addressing so that that doesn't snowball um, into something much larger into where people are very upset or and or liabilities start to come up and um, you know everything sort of unravels. Can I, I think with that too, you know, a lot of times people forget what they've heard when they're in those emotional states. So even if sometimes you have expressed those wishes or those communication, you can't remember who you did tell or what you did tell. So having it in that format that everyone can see and say, here's what we've done, here's where on board, here's who knows about this, I think it makes it a little more reassuring. Um, and if you forget, you have a way to look. So it's invaluable. What I think too is I kind of want to go back to this idea because I, I keep going back to the idea of fear, like you said early, carrying trust. I mean, how much does trust really matter either before moving in or that first two weeks? I think a lot. Um, it's just that unknown piece where even if, you know, uh, and an assisted living or wherever they might be is doing the best they can. You don't always know that if you haven't worked with them yet. So I think that fear and that uncertainty is there. And so again, that more we can say, here's what the expectations are, here's what we're doing, here's the steps we're taking. It just really takes away, I think, some of that fear just because then the uncertainty has gone. Now you have an expectation, you've talked to somebody about it, you know who to go to for what. Um, so I think that's really, really helpful. And then we can focus more on, on the family on how are they doing rather than do we have all these things in place and like mm. just focus as well. I think also, it you know, a lot of this can be word of mouth. So someone says, oh, my mom was here, my dad was here, my uncle was here. Okay, well, how did they interact with you? Oh, they were really good, really clear communication, right? So what you hear from other people is I can really trust them. That's really important. The word of mouth part of it is also really important that people say, this is a place that I can trust. These are people I can trust with my family member. Yeah. That's really, really great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. You know, and it's, um, it's, a, it's another engagement tool. It's another opportunity to build trust. You know, if you're only... Um, seeing them when they do a tour or when they do the first assessment or maybe on moving day, um, if that's the only time they hear, them, you know, you're, you're missing out on, on both sides. It isn't just for the family. I think that's important to note. This is just as much for the caregivers. This is just as much Absolutely. for the providers. Wouldn't you guys agree? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Yes. Yeah, so I think it's, you know, building trust on that side, too, and then knowing that this resident has a family member who is there that I can call if something does arise, because that's crucial. We need to have that communication both ways. 
and Catherine has said this a lot is we need to take the opportunity to highlight all the great things the residences do, things like that, not just wait till there's a problem. So if the, the residence is putting out all the things that they're trying to do and the ways the different ways they're attacking maybe certain challenges, that also I think is helpful to get ahead of, of as Morgan said, there are gonna be the bumps in the road, but it's how we handle those bumps. I'm a firm believer when people take care of people, there are always gonna be mistakes. The only thing you can be perfect on is correcting that mistake. And we have to be perfect in our correction because again, these are people that depend on us. And so our job has to be not only to not pretend that we're not gonna make mistakes, but be perfect in those responses. Yeah, and, and something that we're seeing with the caregivers being more um, accessible via some sort of communication mechanism is that the caregivers start to feel more confident in what they're doing. So I love that you you mentioned that, Britannia, because I often think because of the high turnover in senior care and caregivers in particular, that sometimes the caregivers themselves aren't as trusted by the management as they could be. Mm. Because there's no real opportunity to show how trustworthy they are. Not, not, not trustworthy to provide care, of course they are. Um, it's the communication with the family. And I love seeing the caregivers get more um, creative. Taylor has some stories with caregivers who are super creative with how they communicate with family. Mm -hmm. I, if I could share one of those. I mean, we did have um, a resident uh, blow a kiss to their family member and it was just a simple photo. One photo was here and one photo was like this and the family member blew a kiss back and that was all through a communication streamline. Um, but what a way to connect, especially during COVID, where the family ever can't visit at the moment or or it's all kind of up in the air um but what a way to connect right there so they can still be part of the care and i think i want to go back to what carrie had talked about the family members not necessarily hearing you or the communication not necessarily making it to them especially during times of heightened emotion such as the grieving process and things like that i think i saw a comment from mike oh there it is um going through the grieving process and Communication can be so, so paramount. And it makes me think, Kathy, if you wanna share the, um, the Stephen Covey quote that I think is in our little booklet that if you build trust first, then, then you have ways to, to navigate the grieving process as well. Yeah, and I probably won't find it that quickly, but yes, I was thinking of that one too. So Stephen Covey, for those of you who don't know, wrote a book a long time ago, probably in the 80s, at Carrie yeah. right now, um, Seven <laughs> Habits of Highly Effective People. And his son wrote a book called The Speed of Trust. And um, both of them have the same concept that you put emotional, you put deposits into the emotional bank account of another person and it builds that trust. And when you have that, then when you have inevitable difficult conversations, there's cushion there, there's room. There's um, more of a partnership in, in resolving issues together. And it, that's really, it's really, really um, can be very difficult to measure. But as Stephen M. Covey, uh, the son, wrote in his book, there are plenty of ways actually to measure trust. And it can be financial, it can be in time, it, um, there's several different things. And I'll post some of this in the, in the show notes. Um, and Mike, I want to give you a shout out. Thanks for listening. Mike was also part of this process. I think he came in sort of towards the end, but really valuable input. So thank you, Mike. And thank you for your comments today.
Um, so I want to shift over to how do you think this will impact senior care? And before I have you answer, let me share a little bit of research that Mary shared with me um, about communication in general, uh, when family is involved in the communication of an, uh, of an assisted living with the care staff. So the results are extraordinary, and this is also documented in the book. Um, the residents have increased physical and emotional healing, optimal well-being, and sustainment of quality of life. Now, all of this research was done before COVID, um, but I still believe that the impact is there. Uh, family members have improved satisfaction with the facility, greater well-being, and increased likelihood to recommend the facility. The care staff has enhanced job satisfaction, decreased turnover, and truly feels like part of a team effort when they're part of the whole care team. Uh, and then the organization experiences increased census, reduced legal actions, improved state surveys and public reputation, and the ultimate goal for all of us, better resident quality of life. So given that, that was research done, by the way, long before COVID. I want to say that might have been published in 2007. I should have that at the top of my uh, head, but even if it wasn't that long ago, it was still done well before we even sat down and started talking about this. So people have been looking at this. So I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are, each of you. Um, how do you see this little booklet that we all created together impacting senior care? Oh, well, where to begin? Um, I'm excited. You know, one. Once we were able to come together and, and put this plan in place, it has been something that I have been sharing with not just the people that Heartland actively serves, but anyone in the care industry and in the senior industry. Like, do you, have you heard about this? I even you know, um, you know, gave Catherine a shout out and was like, I think I'm just going to print out a bunch of copies and hand them out because I, I really believe in this. And I, I think. You know, we all have a little bit of a fear of abandonment. I think we all have a fear of missing out. And and I think this will bridge that gap. I, I think, you know, instead of missing out on maybe, you know, the way your mom eats an egg, you know, maybe she has a funny way of eating an egg. You know, that, that's, a, that's a, a memory that's, you know, precious to you, but now you can still be a part of that. And, and your mom can still share that she does this weird, you know, way of cracking an egg. And, you know, so I think it's, <laughs> I say that because my mom eats eggs in a very funny way. I was wondering. <laughs> and that would, that would mean a lot to me. You know, it's, yeah. it, that, that, that's a gift. You know, that's something that I can carry with me. And I think that's what this plan has done is it has created daily gifts, especially in the first two weeks where it's so crucial that we have that. It's well said. That's really well said. Well, and I want to go back to something Morgan said, just the phrase of, of everybody being on the same page. And I think that having this booklet, like literally you're on the same page on the same day, um, which I think really helps in a very concrete way. I know what's going to happen today. I know who's going to communicate with me or who I can communicate with. Um, and that that uses so much anxiety um, and this fear and just instills a degree of confidence 
hey, at least for the two, first two weeks, I know exactly kind of what's going to happen and who's going to be involved um, and who I can reach out to if I have questions. And I think allaying that anxiety as everybody kind of adjusts um, just as a huge amount for everybody involved. That's great. Yeah. There's huge, huge impact, I think, um, on everyone involved. So the caregivers and the family members and even the elderly themselves, if they know that what they're doing and what they're saying is getting to their family member. Um, of course, some are going to have Alzheimer's or dementia, but those who do know, and someone's like, yeah, I saw the picture of you blowing me a kiss for Taylor's example. Um, that's going to give someone a better sense that they are being taken care of and that they are still in touch with their family members and their needs are being communicated. Obviously, I think the family like it. Um, and to the research you were pointing out, we know through organizational behavior that most employees really feel much more engaged and empowered when they have meaning. And so many times you get so busy doing things and you do have to maybe say, here's a problem, here's that. Um, but from what I've heard is caregivers really enjoying those good moments too. Um, and so again, this care plan has ways to say, what's something good that happened today? So we're not always focusing on the negative. And I really think caregivers, when they start to focus more on that, creates a much better sense of engagement. Oh, and this really does have meaning. I'm not just reporting something bad, but I'm helping this person, I'm helping this family. Um, and it really gives a better sense of what they're doing and helps them feel connected, I think a little bit more. So I think huge impacts. So well said. Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. And to follow up on that, there was a study that was just done a couple of years ago on that focused on staff in long-term care facilities and people who had stayed long-term in their positions, right? Because we hear and we know there's such high turnover, which is costly to the organization, costly to the residents, increases anxiety among family members. Wait, who, what do you mean Sally's gone and now Joe is here taking care of my right. loved one? Um, but several of the factors that the staff talked about was feeling involved and feeling like they had their own relationships with the family members, not just the residents, and that it wasn't just the care manager who was connecting with the family members, but that the daily staff did as well, and that they were recognized by the organization for their expertise and what they brought to the care situation. Um, and so I think when you have happy staff, um, then everybody wins again because the organization can continue to function at a really optimal level. And like our collaboration circle, recognizing that the daily care staff has just as much expertise in what they do to make this organization successful and provide excellent care for people. Um, that this is one step in the direction of being able to really help the care staff be recognized for what they do and how they contribute to the overall picture. So good. The word be recognized. I guess that's two words, be recognized. <laughs> but, but the idea of just, we all want to be seen for what we can contribute and feel like we're doing something meaningful with our lives. Right. Um, and that's why most caregivers get into this. It's because they want to do something meaningful and help others. Um, I know we're getting kind of close to the end here. We went a little bit over time, but uh, we like to end with 
what action would you like people to take after hearing this uh, Facebook Live interview or after reading the booklet? And we'll just go around and, and maybe be as brief as possible, but what action would you like people to take? And let's see, Taylor, you've been quiet, so I'm gonna pick on you. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll take just a little bit of time here. I wanted to echo kind of what Mary said on the impact this has on senior care, because when, when you're on the same page, especially during a time of transition, I can speak personally, we have a, a family member, we're in the, it's a time of transition. She was just, di just diagnosed with something. So your mind can spiral and you can start to assume. And if you're on the same page with the care staff, you're on the same page with someone, it helps remove some of that assumption. So I, I wanted to echo that as well. And then actions I think that you can take is, this is the first step in this little booklet. We all have the same goal, and that is to provide the best care we can to our older adults. That is our main goal, whether you're in a facility, at home, whatever it may be, that's our main goal. And so if you can act on this even just a little bit and take away a few golden nuggets from this booklet and make them your own to your community or to your family, I think that's the action I want people to take because this is not going to be a one size fits all. We're all different. But if you can grab a few things that work for you, that's a good thing. That's great. Thanks, Taylor. Morgan. Yeah, I, um, I hope this becomes a tool to promote and create value. So value for the older person that is in the care and everybody sees the value in that person and value in the people providing that care. Um, this is their career and it is a very challenging career and we need to value the sacrifices they have made to provide the care for your loved one or for you because you needed it. You needed that help and value for the family member who is taking their, you know, taking themselves off of the role of being the caregiver and just, you know, value to the community that this care facility is here for for the community, for the older adults that need the care. So if we can all use this tool to see the value in each other and the process and the person, I think that it will do monumental things for senior care. Thank you. Carrie. I, I would echo what everyone else is saying. So again, take the pieces that are helpful, but really I hope what this tool can do is give everyone, no matter which part they're on, family, caregiver, whatever it may be, um, and really just find ways to communicate and remember that we can do that, that there, there are ways to, to involve everyone and collaborate that can lead to a little bit more happiness. So I hope people encourage use of it. Terrific. Britannia. Yeah, so um, I, I echo again what everyone has said. I'm, I'm nodding along like, oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Um, well, well, I agree. There is no um, you know, one size fits all. Um, there's not supposed to be. And, and we are all different and we're all unique and all special. And that's the beauty of the world we live in. And so I really hope that this is um, the spark that ignites change across the industry. And I hope that so many other communities and um, companies can see the value in having a laid out plan. You know, it isn't just, oh, we do our own thing. It's, 
the, the consistency of the policies and procedures that this is what we do on day one. It creates yeah. trust. It diminishes fear. This is what we do on day two. It humanizes the caregiver and the resident. It connects us both. And I think that's so important that, you know, while I think a lot of people could, you know, plug and play with the plan that we created, my call to action is for all the families that are listening that for your loved ones that are are coming to that time where they may be looking into going into a community that they take this plan with them and they ask that community what is your first 14 days of life what is your plan because if they don't have one here i have one for you (laughs) that's what i would do (laughs) that's a great call to action i love it Thank you, Mary. Well, I'll go on the opposite direction, put my little researcher hat on and <laughs> the um, facility and community directors and staff to think about what is it that you wanna be assessing about this as you're using it? What's working, what's not for you? Are there tweaks you need to make? Are you tracking family and resident satisfaction and well-being so that you can start to say, hey, we really see and have documented the impact that this has had on us, that the impact that it's had on our staff and our families and our residents, um, because I think that kind of information is helpful to everyone. It can be shared with everyone. It can be a mutual success that everyone can share in. Uh, that's terrific. And there's a saying in, in business, what get what gets measured gets better. Um, and mm-hmm. so I love your question to executive directors and administrators. What do you want to measure? What do you want to be mm-hmm. assessing here and really focusing on? Excellent. Francis, what's your call to action? Take action is we do a lot of talking in the industry uh, and we now are, are seeing tools being created. And and even start small, you know, one step, one, don't think this is, oh, we have to move our entire program or protocol or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Implement one little thing and then implement another little thing. My big concern is too many organizations look at the, where they want to get to, which is great, but then they get overwhelmed with, I don't even know how to get there. I'm a big believer of knowing where you want to go and then back it up to very small steps to get you where you want to go. So that would be my action. Take the first small step. That's great. And I'll say my call to action is the same. Just take a step and take a look at what what we've put together with this amazing group of people. And by the way, the the people on here are a a representative portion of all of the people who were involved in this. There's an entire list of everyone who was involved in the booklet. And uh, I had a a boss once who used to say, he stood on the shoulders of giants. And that's how I feel. And I think Francis feels in this process is that it's really the work of the people in this group that we are so fortunate to be able to share with the rest of the world and, and really make an impact. So, just take a look at it and use it as a something that Britannia said, ignite the ignite the spark, the, the, the flame, ignite it. We don't want to say these things in Colorado because we have fires going on right now. So. <laughs> um, but really to just inspire change and uh, think about things differently. So I want to say thank you to each of you on our call today. 
I'm giving a shout out to everyone else who participated in this, who is not on the call today. Thank you for all of the work that you do in senior care and in this process. Yes. And we look forward to our next collaboration circle, which you'll be hearing more from Francis and I about soon. Okay. Thank you all. Have a wonderful rest of the day and a fantastic yeah. weekend. Thank you. Thanks. Happy to be here. Thanks, everyone.